Father in heaven, we're grateful for all the ways that you uh, have blessed us throughout this camp meeting thus far. We thank, Lord, uh, of just the way that each one of us has different needs and you are able to meet each one. And we pray that even now, today, as we have our sessions this afternoon, that whatever we come with, whatever challenges we're facing, whatever conviction we need or encouragement we need, that, Lord, you would meet that need and that the Holy Spirit would be given to speak to our hearts and to guide us and lead us. So bless our meeting with your presence. May each person here have an encounter with you today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about interests. This is the church manual. How many of you have a church manual? Oh, that's about, okay, most. I would strongly encourage you, you know, if you have a vehicle, you need a manual. And if you are a church member, you ought to have a church manual. Know how things operate. And uh, it's not something you read for your devotional time, uh, but it is something that is a wonderful reference. And what I want to talk about for a moment is the interest coordinator. How many of your churches have an interest coordinator? Let's see, one, two, three. Okay. Um, I would say that we're down to about 30%, if I were to guesstimate, churches in North America that even have interest coordinators. Okay, so why do you need an interest coordinator? Let's see what the manual says, shall we? An interest coordinator should be elected. That means when do you determine the, who the interest coordinator is? During nominating committee time. To make sure that interests developed through the church's missionary outreach are what? Cared for what? Promptly. Now, did you know that, that the interest coordinator was actually supposed to be doing that? Like, at the best, the interest coordinators that we have have been told that their job is to input into the database right, the, the interests that come in through the various events. But this actually says that the interest coordinator is elected to make sure. You see that? Make sure. Now this is, you know, if I were to say to you, um, make sure you're up tomorrow at 7 a.m., what would you do? You set an alarm, you would do some, you would make some action to be doubly sure after I say make sure. So the idea is that there's an intentional effort required by the interest coordinator to make sure that the interests that you have gained through whatever missionary outreach you have are cared for promptly. Which means that the interest coordinator doesn't just uh, act independently. The interest coordinator has to be engaged with the members of the church when with the leaders of the church. And you're going to see that. So this person is a member of the board. So the interest coordinator is actually a member of the church board, which, you know, many of our churches, I wouldn't say that that's the case. And the personal ministries council and works directly with the pastor and chairperson of that council. The chairperson of the personal ministries council is generally the personal ministries leader. So this is saying that the interest coordinator will work directly with the pastor and the personal ministries leader. And that's because the pastor and the personal ministries leader are always involved in the, in the follow-up of interests gained through the ministries of the church. Duties of the office. Keeping an organized list of all interests received by the church. 
and we'll talk about this a little later. Two, assisting the pastor and chairperson of the Personal Ministries Council in enlisting and recruiting qualified members for follow-up service. Okay, how many of you have ever seen an interest coordinator do that? Ever. Okay, but it's right there in the manual. The interest coordinator is to do two things. What's the first one? Uh, No, no, not number one, but two things that were listed here in number two. Enlisting and recruiting. Now, what's it mean to enlist? So you, okay, right. So this is actually a, uh, what, what you would call, well, I don't know what you would call it. But it is redundant for the purpose of, of making the impression on us that this person is to enlist and recruit. They are to go with the assistance and, and the, you know, in teamwork, basically, working as a team with the pastor and the personal ministry's leader to go and recruit people to follow up with interests, to sign them up to follow up with interests, to get them to commit on the dotted line to follow up with interests. So this is a very, very important position. Number three, and it says qualified members. So, you know, you're, you need somebody who has some discernment about who to get to help. And then number three, presenting to the board a monthly report on the number of interests received and followed up. You know that report that you get every month, right? A church board. No, you don't get that. You don't get it. I already know you don't get it, so quit pretending. When an interest is sufficiently developed, it should be shared with the pastor. And what this is simply saying is that you wouldn't necessarily just every contact and acquaintance that somebody makes in the church, do you necessarily put it into the official church interest database and communicate it to the pastor and what have you. It has to get to a certain level. But ultimately, this is saying that there needs to be some accountability here and some keeping it before the leaders of the church. So you're presenting to the board these uh, important interests. So what do you think? Is that a job that we should have in our churches? I think it is. I think it is. Let's talk for just a moment and reiterate some things that we said yesterday. Why is it so important to generate interests in the church? Somebody tell me. Okay, there are future members. They're interested. I mean, ultimately, the mission of the church is to go and find these people who are interested and then essentially make them disciples. So the first step to making them disciples is finding the people who might have an interest. It baffles my mind to see churches, and I, I worked in Michigan, which is an evangelistic, you know, conference, to see the number of churches that don't want interests. Oh, we're not going to send out a mailing because it would be too much. We would get too many interests. I ask you, okay, how many baptisms are you having a year? Two then how could you say that you feel like, find a way. You've got to find a way to increase your interests if you're going to increase the growth of the church. And what we do is we actually, by our actions, say we are perfectly satisfied with having two or three baptisms a year. 
we are perfectly satisfied. As long as we can keep coasting until the coming of Jesus, come to camp meeting, hear those wonderful messages by, you know, all-star speakers, and we're, we're happy. We're happy Adventists. But the problem is, that's not what we're here for. We are supposed to be aggressively trying to generate interests for the salvation of souls and for the growth of the church. So there's no excuse for putting off or, or pushing away interests. We should be increasing interests at all times. And let me just, uh, I'll come back to this later, but let me say something about this so that I put you at ease. The reason that most people do that, I understand why they do it, okay? You have to coach them through it. People say, oh, well, if I do this mailing, we'll get 30 interests, and I've only been able to find two other people who are willing to follow up. And so I can't do that. I need, you know... Here's the problem. We tend to think that if we get 30 interests to come in, that we're going to have to follow up 30 people. Well, you might have to follow them up, but in about three weeks, that 30 will be down to 10. And then in about five or six weeks, that 10 will be down to three. Okay? You, it's a percentage game. Soul winning does not, you know, not everybody who shows a kick the tires kind of interest becomes an active, I'm hungry for the truth, I'm ready to make a full decision to become a member of the Remnant Church. It doesn't happen that way. You need a significant number of interests in order to find the ones who are actually going to come all the way through. So never slow down your interest generation in the church. You should be doing everything you can to balloon that number and increase the interest generation number always. And then you find ways to manage that because ultimately, once you follow them up, you'll find, yes, it takes a little effort in the very beginning. It might take a little push, but then they're going to trickle down to a very manageable number. That's how it, that's how it always happens. Yes. And all, the other ones are seeds and all the other ones are seeds planted. Yes. And, you know, we're, we'll dive into that a little bit uh, as well, the idea of, of planting seeds. So now let's talk about generating interest. So we know the importance of generating interest. How do we generate interests? And is it an actual part of our evangelistic strategy in our churches to generate interests? So um, let me tell you the number one way to generate interest. You ready for this? Ask. <laughs> that was so good. I feel so proud <laughs> when I hear someone say that. Um, that's right, just ask. <clears throat> because ultimately, uh, no one, you will never find someone who is interested if you don't ask if they have an interest, if you don't offer. If you don't do that, then, you know, you're, you're only going to get the occasional, you know, as we say, wild strawberry. You're not going to get an actual crop, okay? So just ask. Who should we ask? Everyone. Well, you know, that's an easy answer back there, Burgess. I expect more from you than that. Give me, give me some, some everyone's. Co-workers, okay, co-workers. Now, if you're like me, okay, I'm like, I'm like the personal ministries guy who's not very good at uh, first contact personal ministries. I'm, I'm, I love giving Bible studies, you know, and I love, you know, once I, but, but the, 
But the first contact, and let me tell you the fear that people have because I can speak from experience with coworkers. Because before I was a pastor, by the way, I was a layperson for a number of years. And I was a personal ministries leader and an elder, and I gave Bible studies during the week and all that so I can relate. Anyway, this uh, idea of sharing with people at work, though, I personally found it easier um, to speak to a stranger oftentimes than I did to speak to someone at work. Because I kind of am a people pleaser by nature, and I want them to think really highly of me. And when I have to start sounding a little crazy, it changes, you know, and I, I get scared about it. Um, so you kind of have to have a, you know, heart to heart with the Lord and wrestle through the fact that you are not in your workplace to be highly uh, approved of by the people in your workplace. Certainly you want to be, you know, respected and all those things. But when it comes down to it, the Lord places you in different places because there are people that you can make an impact with. And so don't be, you know, muster up the courage. Pray and and begin to interject spiritual uh, conversation into your coworkers' uh, um, conversations. Let me just say, you don't have to immediately give a piece. When it's a coworker, see, the way that you interact with people will depend on how frequently you're going to see them. So a coworker you're going to see regularly. So you don't have to throw them the full Conflict of the Ages series right off the bat. You can begin by beginning to you know start slow. And one of the best ways that people just fail to take advantage of oftentimes is just dropping spiritual talk. Like, oh yeah, I, I, I was talking to a guy at church this weekend and he da 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 I mean, literally, it could be not even about something, whatever. You just say something about church and you find out, is this person going to react to that? Or, uh, yeah, wow, the pastor said something in the sermon this weekend. da 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 and just by um, bringing in spiritual elements in the conversation, there are some people who will respond. And they'll, oh, I didn't know you. Or, oh, wow, you know, where do you? And they'll begin to inquire about your spiritual life. Keep in mind the, the cycle. So just remember that anytime you are planting seed, the purpose of planting seed is to cultivate. And the purpose of cultivating is to harvest. And then that harvest, you're wanting to put back into the labor. Okay, so, so we want to never, we're always seeking to generate interest, but what we're really aiming for is interest who we can get involved in Bible studies. So while you're planting these little seeds, you're also, you're aiming for finding interest who will actually respond to what you're saying. So this is just the seed planting part of it. If you find someone who's interested though, that's where the asking comes in. Because it's, then it's more than just, you know, a comment here or there. That comment here or there is intended to lead to someone uh, showing enough interest that you feel that willing to ask, would you be interested in coming to such, such an event? Or would you be interested in studying the Bible with me at lunchtime or whatever the case might be? So you're always remembering the next step in the process when you're involved in uh, sharing. We're going to come to church visitors. Church visitors 
in my experience, were the number one place for me to get Bible studies. Now, I'm talking back when I was uh, a layperson. So, okay, when I was a layperson, I tried to, and I generally did, but I tried to always have at least one uh, Bible study that I was giving per week. So if I, either somebody fell off or, praise the Lord, they were baptized, then I would want to start another Bible study. And where did I look? I was, even, I was looking ahead of time usually. Where did I look? Well, in many of our churches, you have spouses of members who are not baptized. You have people who, are, who have just made uh, intermittent visits, but they're not baptized. There are a lot of people, if you really take time to scour all the people who attend your church over the course of several months, and you actually look at how many of them have not been baptized, you might find there's a significant number. Sometimes it's young people who maybe they're really they're teenagers and you realize they're not baptized and you wonder maybe they haven't recently had anyone ask them if they would be interested in studying the Bible or something like that. So there's a whole host of opportunities in the local church. One of the first things that I do when I go into a church as a pastor is I make a full list of interests. If they haven't done it, I find out. I get every, give me the last evangelistic meeting list. Give me, you know, all the, the attendance and, and who, who are any of the people here attending that are not baptized. And I start putting together this list and you find out there's a lot more people than you think that you already have acquaintance with that have some measure of interest. So church visitors is, is key, and that includes uh, church ministries and events because you have vacation Bible schools, you have uh, concerts, you have uh, health ministry events like cooking schools and health expos and the like. A lot of those, I don't spend a significant amount of time. Usually we give surveys at those events to find out if there's a spiritual interest. If there's not, then you just maintain the health interest and you kind of see where that leads. But you, but you do want to use events. And the number one event to get interests that are spiritual interests is an evangelistic meeting. And I get, it's almost comical to hear people say that evangelistic meetings, you know, why do we do that? Why do we? Because I'm telling you, as a pastor, the most volume interests that I got was through evangelistic meetings. I would, these are people who aren't just marginally interested. They actually are interested enough in the book of Revelation or to come and sit through an actual presentation on it. I mean, that's not a, you know, I'm not saying that everyone in there is a super strong interest, but I'm saying that that's a different level than somebody who just, you know, says, for instance, it's, it's a different level than even somebody who says, oh, I'd like some free Bible study guides. Because that's something that might come to their home. That's something that they might just check out. This, they come and sit and listen, and it's a, it's a different level. So I believe that for no other reason, uh, and I also get this with, with evangelistic meetings. Oh, the, most of the people that actually come into the church uh, are through personal invitations. So we should stop wasting all this thousands of dollars we spend on mailings because we only get one or two per thousand. And I say, yeah, those are one or two per thousand that you would not have gotten if you had not sent that out. 
So I always send 40 to 50,000 handbills and I get 40 or 50 people on night one and then another 20 to 25 on night two. And then if they don't come back, I still have 75 people that I'm going to one way or another be able to visit after the meetings, find out if they'd be interested in further study, et cetera, who have shown some interest. Where else do you get that? I mean, that's an incredible. In other words, evangelistic meetings both reap the ongoing uh, interest that you have, and they are a way of attracting and finding interests in your community that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Remember, there's two different ways to, to get interest. One is uh, directed, targeted. Uh, so, uh, for instance, would be, um, you know, asking a coworker or something. That's targeted. Or uh, you do a, a uh, internet ad where if somebody searches for revelation or whatever, they can go and they can ask for Bible studies. You've... you've found them through a direct targeted search. But when you do a mailing to homes, that is a mass, we don't know who you are, you know, we have no uh, demographic information on you, we're just sending this to everyone, and the percentages are always lower with that group. But if you only do targeted, then you will never find out who is wistfully looking toward heaven in that broader group. So you need both. And let me just say this, when it comes to interests, here is the rule to live by. It's not either or, it's both and all and every. That is the rule for interest. Cast the net in as many ways as possible. Now I'll give you a few other ways to generate interest before we move on to following up interest. Okay. Another big way that we did here that, that you should still utilize is BibleStudyOffer.com. I mean, if before I left Michigan here, we had, uh, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but we had thousands of interests that had already just shown curiosity enough to sign up for Bible studies. And that happened through, when you look through the statistics, all different ways. They came in, you know, you're always going to get a, a much higher volume when you send out a card mailing. Okay, so this you could put in a separate category or the same category, but card mailings are a great way to find interest. Um, we use BibleStudyOffer.com because if you get them to sign up online, then it immediately comes to your coordinator and you're already set up to follow it up. But ultimately, this uh, enables you, when you have a portal on the internet, it enables you to get interest through any avenue and your members can get involved in advertising and getting interest. It's an open door. Like, let me give you a difference. Back in the day, we always did card mailings and we did, we used, sent out something, we would call them something wonderful cards, something one, a gift just for you or something wonderful just for you. And it offered free Bible study requests or free Bible study guides. And it, you would open it up and you would, you know, free for you, da, 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 tell you about the Bible study guides. And then you would fill out your address and information. You would tear it at the perforated line and you would stick it in the mail. And then those cards would get sent to a central place where they would pile up a little bit. And then they would get sent to this person and that person. And then by the time they got, you know, followed up, it was a few months later. But bottom line is, you know, we 
used that for many, many years. And some people were more prompt with it, and they got them immediately and were ready to go and, and, and followed up promptly. But when they followed them up, because I've did it many times, okay, here's the cards. I'm going to have a big training event. I'm going to get people in the church and get them fired up to follow up these interests. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out. We're going to follow up. Here's the study guides we're going to use. Here's what we're going to say. You know, role play. Okay, now let's do it. You get these two. You get these two interests. You get these two interests. You get these two interests. You go out. And I can't tell you how many times I forgot to like log the interest before I gave them to the, the members. And then they go out and then you're like, hey, praise the Lord. And then the next week you're wondering, I wonder how things worked out you know and you got to go trying to figure out who you gave those cards to and they don't they don't say anything about what happened maybe a, a few of them do but a handful of them don't and you know it's 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 a problem but even if you keep good track of them and they go and follow them up that offer is over what i'm saying is the door is closed because the only way for you to get more interest is to do what send out another mailing. And this is why the internet is so valuable to us. Because the internet is an open door. It's a portal that is always open. So if you give out glow tracks that offer BibleStudyOffer.com, if you have a bumper sticker, if you have a yard sign, if you have cards in a, in a waiting room or whatever, it's always collecting. It's always an offer that is always collecting interests. And this is the value of the internet that I think we need to make sure when we're talking about generating interest that we don't lose sight of. So here's what you have to do if you are from another area and you're interested. I think most of the Michigan churches are all signed up. They were signed up uh, for some time now. But outside of Michigan, you, um, we're working on a portal where you can sign up, but right now you email this information to me. <laughs> um, and I send it to the web developer. And we have, I would say, about 400 churches signed up. So that's... So you would send the name of the conference, the name of the church, the physical address of the church, because that's how we assign, that's how the system assigns it. Well, it'll give you a code. Um, but, but anyway, so those three, and then the name, of the name and email of the coordinator, because they're going to be the ones who get notified. But it's basically the name of conference, name of church, physical address of church, and then the name and email of the coordinator. Uh, it's Howard J. <laughs> Howard J. at gc.adventist.org. So if you send it to me right now, um, I will send it to the web developer and he'll get it set up. Now here's what happens. Then you become, your church becomes a BibleStudyOffer.com participating church, which you should not take entirely lightly because that means that if you get an interest, that you're responsible for following it up. Um, and that means you need to have the study guides ordered right away so that you have the study guides to follow it up. It means that you want to go ahead and get advertising materials and things so that you can get the word out. And let me tell you what happens, and I mentioned this yesterday. This is Personal Ministries 101. Personal Ministries is flame and die. Flame and die. And so what happens is we get all juiced up about something, and we, hey, and then nobody does anything. And BibleStudyOffer.com will not generate interest unless you're working it. It's a portal for the church to utilize. It's not a self-generating portal, okay? So unless the church is actively sending out mailings, passing out glow tracks, you know, 
putting out signs and doing that kind of thing, it's not going to generate it by itself. The only exception being that here in Michigan, uh, they have restarted internet advertising, which does generate probably a handful of interests a day in the state. So it's just regularly, you know, filter, uh, bringing in interest. Okay, so that's BibleStudyOffer.com as an internet portal. And the internet in general is a good way to generate, generate interest. Even when we did um, a pre-registration site for Unlock Revelation when I was here, and then this fall you're doing, or I'm saying fall, is that right? Yeah, this fall you're doing Jesus on Prophecy. There will be a pre-registration, right? And there'll be some gift for people who come to the meetings if they pre-register. Well, what I always did was as soon as the meetings were through or mostly through, I switched that thing because I was still getting a bunch of traffic to that website. And I switched that thing and made it offer Bible studies. And so we kept getting people. They weren't pre-registering, but they were wanting to learn about the things that they missed. And they would, and so you, the internet's just a good way to get Bible study requests if you, uh, if you can do it. It's an open portal. But the mailings are, are very valuable for local churches. If I'm in a local church and I start BibleStudyOffer.com, BibleStudyOffer.com, and I want to get the Bible study ministry going quickly, I'm going to do a mailing. And you can do mailings. When I was in Alpena, Michigan, pastoring in Alpena, they had something going already, which I really liked. They had what they called the Hope Center, and every quarter they did a mailing. So they took their territory, divided it into 12 uh, separate sections, and then they uh, sent once a quarter a mailing to one-twelfth of that. So every three years they covered their whole territory. And they just systematically did it so that they, every quarter would have a little trickling in of 10 interests or so. It was a very good plan. And if you're you know, in an area where you, know, you don't, don't want to do all the mailing at once, but you want to have a steady flow, that's something that you could consider doing. Yes? How big should be the mailing? Well, that depends on, you know, it depends on budget, but I would tell you, this is one thing I would tell you. Um, soul winning costs money, and as a general rule, we are too, uh, you know, we, we think we're wasting money on soul winning. We, that's our mindset. So see, when you buy uh, a new roof, you know that that thing is there. Okay, that, that's going to help you for another 40 years. But when you do a mailing, you may not get anything from it. And so many members who are not soul winning minded find it wasteful. They find uh, searching for souls through those types of things wasteful. That's why evangelistic meetings, many church members feel are wasteful. Uh, oh, we didn't, we didn't have any baptisms. Okay, well, number one, there's probably some things that could have been done better before, during, and after the meetings that could have helped with that. But putting that aside, even if you did everything right and you didn't have any baptisms, you still had many interests that you've generated that you can follow up on, and you had many people who heard something that seeds were planted. So there's, we have this mentality that somebody has to always be baptized in order for us to have done the right thing. And I think that what we've got to recognize is our job is to seek and save the lost. That's just our job. You know, we can't be... One of the other ways to get Bible studies is through literature. You know, distribution of literature and putting Bible study offer in there or, or some other uh, uh, event 
fire or something like that. And this, literature is the same thing. We think we're wasting money with, uh, with buying literature. And I would have to go to church boards and say, no. You know, because when I would go to a church, I would say, we need to spend, you know, if it was something like Onaway, I might say 1000 a year. If it was uh, Metro, I would say 3000 a year on literature. They're like, huh? You know, we spend $150, you know, $200 a year on literature. You're telling me $3,000? Yeah, because we actually want to distribute it. You know, we want it to be like a regular weekly distribution that we have. Now, why would we do that? Well, because the message is in the literature, and our job is to get the message out. Our job is not to sustain the building, uh, you know, make sure that everybody has, you know, uh, even a Sabbath school quarterly. <laughs> and I'm a Sabbath school guy. But ultimately, we are talking about the main primary purpose of the church is to get the message out, and we are uh, not wanting to spend money on that very thing. It's almost like a company whose job is to make widgets, but they won't buy the components to the widgets because it wastes too much money. You have to. It's what you're supposed to do. It's what your, your organization is for. And we've got to get to the point where we stop looking at money as uh, being wasted when we involve it in trying to generate interest and share the message. It's not wasted. We did Bible study card mailings. And Hamblin does that. And now we have, and I, if, if I were here now, uh, where we've developed BibleStudyOffer.com, I would always do that. And we're going to develop two new mailer graphics every year with BibleStudyOffer.com. It's one of the things that we decided to do so that if churches want something fresh to send out or whatever. But here's the thing about mailings. People are always moving in and out. People who didn't notice it one year notice it the next. Um, people's lives change all the time. So to, to do stuff like that is not going, especially if you're only hitting it once every three years, you know, definitely. But you might split it up into three, you know, into, you know, four quadrants and, and hit everybody once a year or something like that, however you want to do it. But the idea is to have consistent mailings. I like, I like the idea. The problem with Facebook and internet in a small local church is that it's a little bit more difficult. This is just from my own experience. When we were, when I was in Michigan and we did advertising for the internet and we used keywords, Bible study, Anytime somebody typed Bible study or, or some combination of those words in their search, then an ad popped up. If they were in Michigan, an ad popped up for BibleStudyOffer.com. We didn't pay for that. We only paid for it if they clicked on the ad. Okay, so they have to actually see it, be interested enough to click on it, and that's when we paid. We didn't necessarily uh, require that they sign up. You know, we can't do that, but, but the way Google works, they have to click on it. So we got a lot of interest generated that way. However, when we tried to do it for a local church and use the geocode to just circle this small area, it just didn't work as well for us. I'm not saying it couldn't, but that is a little bit more challenging. So, but I've seen local churches that have used Facebook events and have had good success just because of the number of people that their church members friends and that sort of thing. So I would use that because it's not that expensive. But when you're talking about dollars, mailings are where dollars come in. And so you, I would do mailings for Bible studies regularly, and then I would do one major mailing for evangelistic meetings once a year. And that's, you know, in terms of percentages, you know, in a, in a typical area, I might send 50,000 handbills out for an evangelistic meeting, um, which, you know, a lot of churches will want to send 10,000. But, you know, you're going to get 10 people 
and you're going to get one baptism. I like 50 people, <laughs> and plus the friends that are going to be invited. And the other methods that we're going to try to get, we're going to try to get 15 or 20 baptisms. But ultimately, uh, then, you know, the number of homes that you can mail to with your Bible study requests will be determined in part by how much budget you have left, you know, for that kind of thing. I would recommend, if you wouldn't mind on that particular thing, that sounds fairly specific, and I'd be happy to talk to you about it right afterwards, but I'll, I can talk to you about that. Um, because I want to make sure I cover a couple of things. A few other ways, Adventist media ministries, you know, we should connect with our Adventist media ministries and make sure we know any interests that are in our area. You just call them. That's all you do. Find out how you can get in your territory, your zip codes, how you can get the interest that they are gaining from your territory. Because oftentimes that happens under our noses and we don't even know that there's interest coming from it is written, voice of prophecy, etc. Amazing facts. Um, and door-to-door surveys. Um, I just, who was it? Uh, I think it was Cameron who just sent me uh, an article in, the, in, in an internet article that described a, I think it was a Baptist pastor who was proving everybody wrong because every week since he had been pastor, he's gone door to door and he's gone to, you know, 200 homes a week and his church has grown like four times and everything else. Door to door still works. It's just people don't like to do it. So if you actually got into a system of finding interests door to door, you would find that there would be, uh, there would be benefit. I see your hand. Can, do you mind? I, I actually have eight minutes and I'm really thinking that her question and a couple other are really critical. And that's why I'm very apologetic about moving on. But I just want to make sure that we, I, I cover these important things. Um, following up interests. Let me just say this. If you do something in an area and you don't follow it up, it is better that you didn't do anything at all. Um, and it's not good that you do nothing at all. <laughs> so what that means is you need to make it part of your event that you're going to follow. It's not, it's not separate from your event. And that's what we get into a mindset of. It's sort of like we do with baptisms, you know. We baptize and then we let them go because, ah, oh, you know, we, we, got, we reached the goal. And it's the same thing. We finish the event and, oh, wow, I feel so glad that that's over. And we don't have a process that's part of it where you're going to follow up. So you've got to follow up with interests. Um, let me say this about interests. They, they are different categories. So the first thing you do with your interests after a big event is go through, and you should be doing this during the event, but if you haven't, categorize your interests. So if you're talking about, for instance, an evangelistic meeting, a, an A interest is somebody who shows a lot of interest, who is regularly attending, and who seems to be making decisions as they are learning new things. Okay? But the, but the main thing is the, the actual effort to be there and the amount of interest. They're eating it up. You know what I'm talking about? That's an A interest. A B interest is not necessarily somebody who's there every night because there may be reasons why they're not there every night. But they are eating it up. Yeah, they still have that same hunger. You can tell that they're very interested They've, they've shown that in different ways, but you, they've, just not, they've just not been able to connect with you as much. There's big pieces that they've missed, and you still want to turn those into A interests. A C interest might even be somebody who comes regularly, but they are kind of 
blasé. They've been clear that they're not interested in switching churches. Um, they, you know, they just don't, they're, they're a regular connection, but they just don't seem like they are all that committed to following the truth. Okay, so you want to follow up all three of those. Which one do you want to follow up first? A interest. Let me tell you that usually when I go through an evangelistic meeting, when I get to the end of it, I am, I've got all that I can do to make sure that I am, am cleaning up and finding up everything I need about the A interests. I'm making sure that they're in our follow-up meetings. If they're not, I'm making sure I find out what's going on. I'm finding out how, they, how they're taking these things and if they've thought about baptism. I'm making sure that every one of the A interests is followed up regularly. Okay? A interests are a priority that you cannot afford to not follow up. Then the second tier would be B interests. People who you think are going to be A interest potentially, but you've not had enough time to connect with them, but you think that they've got great potential. So that's your second tier. The C interests can wait, quite frankly, until you are sure about your A and B interests. So you have to know that. You can't, what a lot of people do is they take their list and they just alphabetical order or whatever and they just go visiting people. That's not the way to follow up interest. You need to know which ones do you feel the best about. Which ones do you think are on the borders of becoming Seventh-day Adventists and you make sure that you care for those. And Because here's the thing, if ripe fruit is not harvested, it rots. It's and, and unless you take advantage of the, the opportunity that you have there, you will lose it. So those A interests are critical. The C interests, they're not even ripe yet. So, you know, it's not as critical. Um, when all is said and done and you've worked through the process and you have time to get to the others, then, of course, you should go to every single one of them and try to see if you can get them involved in regular Bible studies. The same is true with any interest list. As you're coordinating your interest list, whether it's through health events, Bible study mailings, whatever, there are always A interests, B interests, and C interests. And you need to evaluate and make sure that you are working through your A interests. And these are ones that are often on, you know, thinking about baptism or they're already in baptismal preparation um, or they've got a good chance of getting to that point. So start with the hottest interests and go to the least and don't fail to categorize your interests before you start following them up. Because you will waste a lot of time and lose a lot of interests. Do you know that when it comes to evangelistic meetings, the difference between getting eight baptisms and four baptisms is not a lot sometimes. It has to do with the details of, of how much follow-up you do, how carefully you do your follow-up, um, your process during the, the meetings. There's, there's a lot of little details to so just doing it well that makes a big difference in how many people you actually baptize in the end. And so I just want to encourage you, categorize your interests. It's not a little thing. It's very important for the process. And it keeps you from getting overwhelmed because you stick with you know, this layer first and you make sure that you're following that through and then you move through that. If you can do it all at once because you have enough people, that's great. But the people who follow with the A interests should be the people who are most invested in whatever the event is, too. So if you are a speaker at an evangelistic meeting, you want to be following up the A interests. If you are 
the person who's giving the, the Bible study and, and that you're the one that they're connected with, you want to follow up that interest. So um, focus on those A interests first. And then make sure that you have a process for tracking your interests. Now, in Michigan for years, we've used disciples, and it's still a very, um, you know, serviceable disciple or, or interest tracking software. If you, if you don't have it, you can get it at getdisciples.com. And it's an interest tracking software where you can, you know, make sure that interests from all your different events and Bible study interests and everything are put in there. I'm careful not to put into my interest database interests that I don't know if they're interested yet. Okay, now I will track my event attendance and I'll track all the guests. I won't put my members in there unless I'm putting them there as workers. One thing you'll find about using an interest tracking software is it will get, if you're, if you're serious about evangelism and you're into interest generation, it'll get muddy really quick. You get a bunch of interests that are not really interested. You understand what I mean? And it'll be, it becomes more complicated. So you want to keep it organized, and that's what your interest coordinator does, and make sure that they are got a good handle on who the strong interests are. And when the interest coordinator goes to report to the church board or to the pastor or the personal ministries leader, it should be first, here are our strongest interests. These are preparing for baptism. These are not yet, but they're being studied with regularly, and they are solid. We think that they, okay, these we're trying to get regular studies set up with them, but we think that they, we have a good chance and that they're very open to the truth. These, we have contact with them, but they're not showing much willingness to whatever. And you should know, and the interest coordinator should keep those names organized. So, okay, those are just some high points. Father in heaven, we're grateful for this time we've had to just explore the importance of being about your mission and not just in a general way, but as it pertains to individual people who are interested in the truth. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to care for each soul as if there were not another on the face of the earth, just as you care for us. So bless us and help us to implement these things that we've learned, to make sure there's good interest coordination in our churches, interest generation, and interest follow-up. And bless us as we do with the Holy Spirit and power. We pray in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.